afternoon. I'm not here to talk about eggs, Madam Deputy Speaker. And I will not rest until the British apple is back at the top of the tree. That's nonsense. Movement, uh, or, or moment if you like, that's nonsense. My um, constituents would accept, expect to see probably more than one flag appearing. That's nonsense. Beautiful new blue, 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 beautiful new blue, 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 blue. That's nonsense. I was considered to be skilled, to be high management. That's nonsense. Beautiful new blue passport. That's nonsense. I want to talk about milk. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Who Works For You. I'm Ewan. And I'm Alex. We're here to talk once again about another three members of Parliament and our bid to inform you about the people who run our country. We've got a fun one this week, Ewan. Uh, We've got two Labour MPs and a third MP who is Conservative, but as you'll see, actually agrees quite closely with our first Labour MP on some issues. Wow, okay, right. First, uh, let's have a look at the news. Uh, Paul Scully has been in the spotlight a fair bit recently, firstly declaring that the wind which will power the country uh, will be British, which is supposedly the only natural next step after the imperialist claim on the seas. He's also been one of the more major punching bags used to protect Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, as at Prime Minister's question time, he was made to answer a particularly difficult question around the events of the Greensill scandal going on. Mr Scully feels that since the government intends to start an inquiry, there's no need to do much more than pretend that Mr Cameron's lobbying abilities are so poor that they may... Uh, that many would be forgiven for not realising they've been lobbied, which sounds to me at least like a much higher level of skill than they're being accounted for. Or that because Greensill was not supplying inferior PPE, as we saw last year, from some companies, but instead merely trying to gain money for their circular finance scheme, we shouldn't be truly bothered. As the debate around how the inquiry into Greensill situation would occur, friend of the show Julie Morrison argued around the hypocrisy of Labour mentioning Blair's exemption of Formula One from a ban on advertising tobacco uh, after a large donation, and calling unions donating to the party that's supposed to represent them cronyism. Well, I think I've had enough of looking at uh, these people in the past. Let's move forward into our first MP. John Speller, who has had a long and storied career, in fact, Uh, in the Houses of Parliament. That's true. Yeah, he's currently uh, MP for Worley. I think that's... Which is in the West Midlands. Uh, It's a very small area. It's, there's not really much there. Um, You might have heard of Sandwell, possibly, if you're familiar with West Midlands, but if you haven't, that's about as good as I can give you. It's a little close to Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, He's been MP there since 92. Since the constituency was in fact Worley West. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, he spent a year as MP for Birmingham Northfield, which you might re- remember as the constituency that's currently being held by Gary Sandbrook. Big dinners. <laughs> yeah. Before working for the government, he was the political officer for the Electrical, Electronic, Telecommunications, Telecommunications and Plumbing Union, which has since become a part of the Unite Union following a large series of mergers. But don't let that confuse you. He's been on the right of the party for a very long time, 
as he was part of a group of senior trade union members who opposed Tony Benn, one of Britain's most prominent social democrats of the past century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, during his career, he's held a number of positions that have been very close to control of the British military, which he clearly grew to be quite fond of. Uh, you know, he, he uh, whilst spending some time in Northern Ireland, he managed to get himself banned from the offices of both mayors of Belfast and Derry, uh, as he quite vocally supported Mark Wright and James Fisher's reinstatement into the military. Could you tell us who they are for people who might not be familiar? Uh, there are two soldiers who were prosecuted for the murder of Peter McBride in '92 uh, in in Northern Ireland. He was 18 years old and had left behind two young children. That's truly despicable. Um, he's definitely super pro-military. If you check out his Twitter, uh, most of what he talks about is uh, issues pertaining to the military, even during COVID. Mm. Uh, he. In 2015, he called for Jeremy Corbyn to resign uh, over the very small and very not uh, at all interesting issue of whether or not to bomb Syria. Yes, uh, very controversial if you're not familiar with the, uh, the whole fiasco about that in uh, 2015. Mm. Uh, going on, a, in, in an interview on BBC Radio 5 Live, he did in fact call Corbyn and his and his followers a bunch of trots. Some mm-hmm. of these actually got a bit form on, as just recently he referred to Len McCloskey, the leader of his of his union, uh, as an old trot who should just go away after recognizing some Trotskyist language in a in a comment he made uh, in an interview. We also went through his voting record and found some very fun votes. Uh, between 2007 and 2009, he voted eight times out of ten against a more transparent parliament. Which is which really uh, is it what you want to see from a government, uh, especially especially from someone who's that closely linked with the military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, that couldn't have possibly backfired with the Tories then taking power uh, a year later. Uh, he did in 2019, despite being generally quite pro LGBT. Uh, in his voting record, he did vote against allowing LGBT curriculum in schools. Uh, yes, he later claimed it was a mistake, but I don't know about that. How do you not read the bill that you're uh, that you're voting on? Yeah. Yeah, a general warhawk, really not a, a hugely great guy. No, not not really. But I think. I think we've covered all the big issues in his, uh, in his, in what he's got to say for himself. So let's move on mm-hmm. a little bit uh, to Chris Elmore, a Welsh Labour MP for the constituency of Ogmore. He's been in power since 2016. Uh, he was born and raised in South Wales. He's been very consistent in his dedication to the area uh, and the rest of the country. Constant, constantly asking. Uh, Prime the Prime Minister uh, uh, questions and uh, any opportunity he gets uh, about the funding that is supposed to be uh, going throughout the country as part of the Level Up program, but has mm-hmm. received little in the way of uh, genuine responses. This dedication is what led him to be made Shadow Minister for Scotland. I guess uh, Keith forgot that Wales and Scotland are two different places. <laughs> Probably, yeah. 
Uh, Wikipedia also suggests that he's heavily invested in youth affairs, but it's a little difficult to find evidence of this beyond an article he wrote mm-hmm. in the Telegraph talking about how the APPG he's a part of will be looking into why there's been a rise in child pornography in the last uh, in the last year. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but if you're not familiar with the concept of an APPG, this is an all-party parliamentary group. They're a sort of informal group of MPs that are supposed to come together to discuss an issue in a sort of nonpartisan way. So, for example, here, you know, a bunch of MPs might agree that, you know, child pornography is a big issue and like depend regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, this is something that the government obviously needs to deal with. Now, that's their stated principle. Um, In practice, a lot of these groups essentially just come together for expensive dinners um, that are often paid for by either lobbyist groups or groups that are involved in the uh, issue that they're supposed to be coming together for. Um, I won't make that claim about any specific APPG for uh, libel reasons, but it definitely does happen. Yeah. yeah, really not a particularly interesting character, Mr. Elmore. Um, really, there's it's di- it's been difficult to find much about him. He's uh, he wrote in the Telegraph once. Really, that's really like all there is about him. Mm-hmm. A pretty boring MP. Yeah, which I think it's t- it's best that we move on to James Gray. Oh boy. Now, James, sorry, got you do it. Okay, now James uh, grew up in Glasgow, uh, having gone to the primary school that uh, is in my childhood neighborhood. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, we Glasgow. <laughs> from there, he did some boring but lucrative work on shop and on ship options, uh, becoming managing director of freight futures, uh, becoming managing director of a freight futures company having written several books on the subject. Do you think he's got any opinion about the uh, about the Suez Canal at the minute? That might be interesting. Yeah, I bet he does. I wonder if that has an effect on uh, futures. You would think it, it probably would. He ran against We Charlie Kennedy and Ross Camardi and Sky in 1992, but he did lose. Uh, we won't come to Charles Kennedy because he has passed away, but I'm sure when we come to the constituency of Ross Camardi and Sky, we'll have a lot to talk about him. For now, it's just important to know that there was no way he was ever going to lose that. Um, between then and 1997, when he was elected, eventually, he was a SPAD for two different secretaries of state for the environment. Now, what is a SPAD? A special advisor. Oh, okay. Just, uh, you know, it's essentially like an intern or something slightly above that. Okay. He did then spend one week as Shadow Secretary of Scotland. Uh, at the end of which he resigned after calling for the dim- the dismantling of Scottish Parliament. An impressive record. <laughs> yeah, really, really good for a, a Scottish MP to be saying that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, there's not a lot to talk about after that um, until he founded the All Party. Tar- excuse me. There's not a lot to look at in his career after that, but he did found the All Party Parliamentary Group for the Army in 2004 which surprisingly our friend John Speller at the top of the show is not a part of. Uh, now, I'm looking at some interesting numbers that you've pulled up. Now, this is quite an, this is quite a large number of APPGs that he's a part of. Yes, so this is why I wanted to introduce APPGs earlier, because I did a little bit of research on our man here, James Gray, and I found that 
he's actually involved in quite a few APPGs or has been in the last sort of five years or so. Um, he's the chair of two of them, but he is has been involved in a lot of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick rundown here. Uh, he's been involved in the APPGs for Armenia, the polar regions, the armed forces, as I mentioned earlier, lipodema, which is a disease, uh, polo, the sport, Mongolia, the reserves and cadets, suicide and self-harm prevention, Afghanistan, motor neuron disease, and carbon monoxide, which apparently needs its own special interest group. Of course it does, but... <coughs> You've got, You've got carbon, carbon monoxide, monoxide in, there. in there. Clearly, yeah. Now, we've got some other interesting numbers on this uh, on this list. A liquor company uh, donated £50,000 to the Polar Regions Group? Yes. So, APPGs are required to disclose the money that they are given uh, by private organizations. They're not required to disclose, I believe, what they do with that money. But it is important to note that they don't do any direct work themselves. So uh, there's very low chance that the money being given to the Polar Regions Group is actually going towards uh, any work in the Polar Regions. It is really just for this group. Um, having said that, I've, I obviously don't know where the money goes because they don't have to say. Some of these disclosures do explicitly state that what they were given by companies is just fancy dinners. So. I think we should be thinking more along that lines, but yeah, we don't know exactly. So yeah, the all, all party, par so yeah, the all party parliamentary group for the polar regions uh, received fifty thousand pounds in twenty nineteen from a liquor company um, that uses the polar regions in a lot of its marketing. Um, so that's quite interesting. The armed forces group gets lots of fun money. Um, 15 arms companies gave them money in 2019, including some of our favorites, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and Northrop Grumman, for a total of 99,000 pounds. Again, we don't know where this money goes, um, but some of these groups just spend their money on fancy dinners. So who's to say? Um, a lot of these other groups didn't receive any money from private groups. The Suicide and Self-Harm Prevention Group received somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 pounds from the Samaritans. Um, the Afghanistan group received somewhere between 3,000 and 4,500 pounds from something called the British and Irish Agencies Afghanistan group. And the carbon monoxide group received about 25,000 pounds from varying gas companies. So I don't know, maybe it's a big claim to say that this is some kind of backhanded lobbying, so I won't make that claim. But there is something interesting going on here with private companies funneling pretty substantial amounts of money to these groups. Yeah, definitely. Now, um... Oh, and there's one more fun group that I completely forgot to mention. The All-Party Parliamentary Beer Group. Now, that's a, that's a group I would love to be a part of. <laughs> yeah, um, especially looking at, the, at these dinner costs. Yeah, um, so in one year, they received uh, five and a half thousand pounds each from Heineken, Molson Coors, AB InBev, Carlsberg UK, and a few other beer companies. Um, I don't know if that was like to taste the beer and decide whether it needed to be legislated on or not, or, you know, something else, but 
not an insignificant amount of money. Also interesting that a lot of these groups gave the beer group the exact same 5,375 pounds. So don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that is weird. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, because we don't know what this money is being spent on, it's just interesting that he's part of these groups. Yes, it is entirely possible that this money is being spent on something completely reasonable and legitimate. But if it is, they're still not telling us what that is. So draw your own conclusions. But Mr. Gray does have his own number of scandals, to be honest. Uh, Yes, we don't even need to source one ourselves. We can just talk about the ones that are already out there. Yeah, such as uh, supporting homeopathy in the NHS. Which he's done several times. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea to just be using fake medicine in a national health service. Love to hear about that. There's a fun little scandal between him and another MP that you might want to talk about. Back in 2010, Thomas Doherty, the Labour MP for Dunfermline and Westwife, alleges that Mr Gray made a racist remark uh, towards him and... Who the fuck is Willie Bain? And another Scottish uh, MP. uh, Allegedly, Mr Gray told McBain... The fuck this this Wikipedia page is all over the place. Like, he's listed as the guy that he's supposed to have said this to is Willie Bain. It's linked to that, and then the next sentence is Gray was alleged to have told Mick Bain. Wait, what is his name then? Yeah, is it Bane or McBane? It's Bane. So that's just a mistake. <laughs> right, okay. Once more. Yeah. In, 20 te- in 2010, Thomas Doherty, a Labour MP for Dunfermline West Fife, accused Gray of directing a racist remark towards uh, Willie Bane, another Labour MP. Uh, allegedly, uh, Gray was supposed to have said, get back to Jockland. Now, this is funny because, as we've established, James Gray himself is from Scotland. Yeah. It's like... It's weird. It's weird on, like, a number of levels. A Scot saying Mm -hmm. that to another Scot. uh, The... The weird language... Like, who's ever called Scotland Jockland? Like... I know. It's, It's a hilariously outdated... It's a, it's something that would offend uh, groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> yeah, like more than a real Scot. Exactly. It's it, it exactly yeah. It's caricatures. Yeah, as as uh, Ewan said, he does actually deny that he made this claim, but um, it it's so strange to even make it up, you know. Hmm. Of course, uh, the the comment that he the comment that he's. Uh, made when he was denying this honestly it, it reads with the most prattish language i'm not going to read it out for you you can find it quite easily but it's uh it's the kind of th- it's honestly it's the kind of thing that you'd expect a tory to say and it doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me at all you know he um he divorced his first wife in 2006 um, after it emerged that he was having an affair with another married woman. Um, at the time, his own wife was actually fighting breast cancer. 
the woman that he was having an affair with was a lobbyist who was lobbying him to support, or sorry, to oppose a, a anti-hunting bill. So um, yeah, he cheated on his wife with a lobbyist while his wife was undergoing uh, treatment for breast cancer. I don't have a lot of comedy to make on that. It's just an awful thing to do. Um, there was a funny comment from the husband of the woman who he was cheating with. Um, he wrote to a local newspaper, quote, the irony is that I will not reap the benefits of Mr. Cameron's excellent family-based policy proposals because one of his own MPs has ripped my own family apart. They, uh, his conservative association thought about deselecting him as their parliamentary candidate, but um, they decided to confirm him anyway. So that goes to show the uh, the morals that they have. Yeah. Uh, he was also um, in, implicated in a lot of the expenses scandal in 2009. Yeah. Yeah, so, do, uh, yeah, I remember seeing this. Uh, we've, we've obviously heard about the amount of money that uh, we don't know what he's doing with, but we do know that he's receiving. Mm-hmm. Sorry, his groups are receiving. Groups are receiving, yes. Uh, and yet he's been trying to claim expenses on wreaths for the military for uh, military honors. Mm-hmm. Yes, he uh, complained, or at least was reported to have complained to the leader of the House of Commons when he was told that Remembrance Day wreaths were not a legitimate expense. Um, he, cl- he denied these claims, um, and he argued that military and council representatives do not pay for wreaths out of their own pockets, which uh, is kind of unrelated because they're not MPs. Yeah. Um, he also uh, claimed two thousand uh, pounds in decorating fees for a second home on the day he moved out, so that's something fishy. Clearly, he's having to get some repairs done uh, in that place after some sort of event, maybe a <laughs> wild party. He also, um, I believe, pays his. Sorry, let me start that over. I want to make sure I say it exactly right. I don't want to libel myself. Do it, do it, do it. James Gray also employs his current wife, Philippa Gray, who is not the wife that he cheated on, as uh, executive and diary secretary um, for his office. So he's definitely a man that likes to enjoy the perks of being an MP, I think I'll say. Yeah, that's a, that's. I think that's a good way of putting it. If someone wanted to uh, investigate MPs that were getting more money than they perhaps should, I think he might be someone to start with. But obviously, they might find out that he's entirely above board. Which we'd absolutely welcome to see from an MP. Of course. Well, that's a, that's another three MPs delivered to you this week. Two surprisingly spicy individuals. And another week where we are very careful not to make any claims that we can't source uh, evidence for. <laughs> uh, thanks once again for listening. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at WhoWorksForYou. Or you can email us at WhoWorksForYouPod at gmail.com. And please, if you'd like to give us some more information about an MP we've covered, don't be afraid to let us know. Next week's episode will be on Scott Benton, John Redwood and Karen Bradley.
I'm looking forward to it. See you then, folks. Bye-bye. Afternoon. I'm not here to talk about eggs, Madam Deputy Speaker. And I will not rest until the British apple is back at the top of the tree. That's nonsense. Movement, uh, or, or moment, if you like, that's nonsense. My constituents would accept, expect to see probably more than one flag appearing. That's nonsense. Beautiful new blue, 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 blue. Beautiful new blue, 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 blue. That's nonsense. I was considered to be skilled, to be high management. That's nonsense. Beautiful new blue passport. That's nonsense. I want to talk about milk.